Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for such gracious love and mercy, for your steadfast love. We pray that through your word this morning, we are encouraged, we are uplifted, we are given boldness, we are given your joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as you know, in Bible study, we have been doing a study in Revelation. It is the study of what must take place, the study of end times. And not this Wednesday, but the previous seven weeks, we had spent one one session, each session, for each church in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. So there's seven churches. We spent seven weeks on those churches. And although it's very edifying to do so, it's not necessarily a smooth ride because of the situation in the churches and how Jesus gives some very harsh rebukes, rebuke to the church. So this week was kind of nice because we got a respite. We were at chapter 4 and we got a glimpse of heaven. And it was so nice. It was nice for me too, by the way, leading all of this. But a glimpse of heaven. Well, as you know, for the past two weeks, we've been doing end times here. And I thought in the same vein, although edifying, it would be also good to get a little respite, especially since Thanksgiving is coming up. So I thought we would still, with doing end times, but having the eternal focus in mind, the end in mind. And with all of that, we're going to cover the great banquet. The great banquet is a wonderful, joyous banquet that you have all been invited to, that everyone has been invited to. Now, before we actually get to the banquet itself, let me give you just a little bit of context from Gospel of Luke. So, on one Sabbath, Jesus has been invited to dine with a ruler of the Pharisees. So this is the elite, right? And he has been invited to come to a a very uh, wealthy person, a ruler of all the Pharisees. And what Jesus sees, he sees all the guests jockeying for position. You know they do that in politics, or if you want to buy be a you know buy a celebrity, you're invited and you want to get that photo op sort of thing like that. So they're all jockeying for for position, but Jesus chides them. He reminds them that they should actually go for the least honorable seat. He says, "For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled." And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm sure that might have put an awkward pause, at the very least, in the room. Because remember who he's talking to. But he doesn't stop there. He says, look, if you're going to have a party, if you're going to invite people, don't just invite your family, your friends, because they're going to want to repay you in some way. He says this, but when you give a feast, Invite the poor, 
the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Have you ever been in a conversation and somebody says something so shocking that there's silence? Right? There's like an awkward silence. No, and, and you don't know what to say. Now, normally in situations like that, somebody breaks under pressure. And they like have to say something to fill the void. Now, I don't know whether this man, what he said was to fill the void or he was actually moved by the words of Jesus. But he says this. He says, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Basically saying, when we have a feast, we will all be there in heaven and we will all eat at this heavenly feast. I don't know, maybe he had the reading from Isaiah in mind. So in Isaiah, and I'm going to truncate it a little bit. On this mountain, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. He will swallow up death forever. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. He might have had something like this in mind when he said, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And the idea was that if you were a Jew, if you were an Israelite, you would automatically eat at this feast. Be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, not so fast. Not everybody is going to be at this feast. So that's the context. And uh, our roadmap, if you will, today is the invitation given, the invitation rejected, and the invitation extended. So three parts, given, rejected, extended. The invitation given. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So in biblical times, banquets, feasts, were held on special occasions, especially weddings. Weddings weren't just that day and a short reception afterwards. They extended for days. And they could be very lavish. And you could have lots of food and wine. Remember, one of the miracles, the first miracle recorded of Jesus is turning water into wine at a wedding. But he is talking not just about a wedding. He's talking about a rich man who gives this lavish feast, this great feast beyond our imagination. Now, this is a parable that he's telling. And so when he's telling a parable, it's not just about the food or the wine or that particular gathering. There is a spiritual significance. As a matter of fact, all feasts throughout Scripture have a spiritual significance at its heart. 
And Jesus is giving a parable about what is to come. And we find this explained so wondrously in Revelation. In Revelation, it is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we've got the wedding feast, right? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 and 7. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Amen. This is a glorious feast. Now, I want you to notice something here. It says, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Now, if you do the King James Version, it says this, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. What does that sound like? It's the Hallelujah Chorus, right? This wedding feast starts off with a great multitude, and it is the Hallelujah Chorus. It is a joyous feast that everybody is invited to, that God the Father is putting on. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. What a feast it is. So, you've got this heavenly music flowing. But it is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so what does that mean? It is the wedding feast of Jesus, the Lamb of God, and all believers, all who believe in Him, the church, that is, the bride of Christ. We, the bride of Christ, the church, are invited to this feast. It is a union It is a celebration. It is an eternal, joyous celebration and satisfaction. Now, because this feast is so important in the parable, it is the rich man, the father, who sends his servant. Now, notice it does not say servants. It's singular. He sent one servant. You see, God the Father entrusted just one servant for this particular feast, and it is His servant Son, Jesus. That's how special this feast is. That Jesus, God the Son, was sent. And you know this, right? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you know John 3.17 For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus Himself said in Luke chapter 4, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this purpose. And so, God the Father has sent His Son for you. And it's an invitation. 
The, the root word of invite, by the way, is to call by name. So this isn't a generic invitation that you get. It's not like junk mail, dear occupant, right? Dear, dear, dear sweepstakes potential winner, something. Like, no, it's not that. He calls you by name. That is how important, that is how special this invitation is. And he says this to you. And you have to hear this with the sweetest love. Come. For everything is now ready. That's always been the invite. Come. Psalm 66. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in His deeds toward the children of man. Revelation chapter 22. The Spirit of the Bride says, Come. And let anyone who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price, Come. For everything is now ready. What does it mean? Yes, praise God. But what does that mean? Everything is now ready. It means everything that God has done from the beginning of creation to Adam and Eve, to their sin and expulsion from the Garden of Eden. It means everything from God redeeming His people Israel. It means that when Jesus came, that He came on this earth, that He suffered, died, for your sins. And on the cross he said, It is finished. It is finished. It means everything from his death to the re resurrection and his ascension. It means everything is ready. Come now. Everything is ready. Now, if you got an invite like that, if you actually heard the love of God in that invite, how could you say no? But yet, the invitation was given and it was rejected. It was rejected. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I always find a little humor in that one. Could be he just got married. We'll just give it the best. But you know, they made excuses, didn't they? What's an excuse for most of us? Although there are legitimate excuses, reasons why we can't do something. For most of us, we give excuses like little white lies, right? Just a way to get out of a potential obligation. So, I mean, you know that, right? You've invited people to come to church, nonetheless, even to come to Christ, and people will make excuses, right? Yeah, so I came across something that's kind of a fun satirical take. It is called 
12 reasons I don't attend sporting events. So, let me hold on a moment. 12 reasons. Every time I went, they asked for money. Of course, you go to a sporting event, they ask for money. The people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. The seats were hard. The coach never came to visit me. The referees made a decision I didn't agree with. I was sitting with hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. Some games went into overtime, and I was late getting home. The band played some songs I've never heard. The games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number 11, since I read a book on sports, I feel I know more than the coaches anyway. Number 12, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. Satirical take. But you understand it. People make all sorts of excuses. Here are the three excuses that Jesus gives in the parable. I've got stuff to take care of. I've got a business to run. I don't have time because of my spouse and my family. Don't those sound very familiar to today? So has anything changed in our nature? No. We still have the same nature, the same type of excuses. But remember, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the elite, right? Not just regular people. He's talking to the elite. And he says, you've already received the invitation. It was sent through the prophets, and you killed them. I came, and, you and I've done miracles, and you still reject me. I've announced it, but the numbness, the hardness of your heart has made you indifferent to this invitation. And really, that's at the core of it. The hardness and numbness of their heart has made them indifferent to the message of salvation. God sent His Son, and so many have rejected Him. People say, you know, it's just not a priority. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but it's just not the right time for me. Not right now. I mean, you can fill in the blank. But what are they actually rejecting? They are rejecting forgiveness of sin. They are rejecting grace and mercy. They are rejecting Jesus, the Son. And because they rejected the Son, the Father rejects them as well. Because it ends, the parable ends with a very serious note. He says, For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. You see, on the day of judgment, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late to say, Oh, yeah, can I accept that invitation now? No. And we will all be accounted. We will all have to account. And the only thing 
that we have is I have this invitation from Christ Jesus. I've received it. I have accepted it. I have faith in Him and Him alone. That's the only thing. The only thing that will stand. So the invitation given, rejected, but does that stop God? No, it does not, because the invitation is extended. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. So the master, the master sends out a servant and tells him to quickly find enough people to fill the feast. Look, it's not that God himself is in a hurry. He has all of eternity. We don't. Amen? We don't have all of eternity. And the older we get, and all of us know this, the older we get, the shorter time is. And we know that time is running out. Even those who have rejected the invitation, they're not fooling themselves. They also know that time is running out. So there's this sense of urgency for our sake. But it is a sense of urgency and haste because God desires all to be saved. You see, the invitation wasn't just for the house of Israel. It was for the Gentiles as well, for all of us. For God so loved the world. So God desires all to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. You see, the banquet of salvation is extended to every single person. Because that's what God's grace and mercy does. God's grace calls to everyone in their affliction. Remember, he was the one who invite who would invite the lame, the blind, the crippled, the lepers, those who were outcast from society. The invitation is for all of us here, for you who are listening, for our neighbors, for those who we think are outcast as well, for the neighbor down the street who wears a Nazi symbol or wants to be pro-Hamas. I think that's a very appropriate one given the atrocities they did. The invitation's for them. The invitation is for those who are without hope in their lives or are dealing with depression so dark and severe 
and they think they aren't worthy anymore. And I bet all of you have either experienced that or know people are going through that. The invitation of hope is for them. The invitation for hope is those also in addiction. You've heard powerful testimony this morning that God reached out to each and every single one of you and said, come home. Everything is now ready. See, that's the invitation. Everything is now ready. So the the question this morning for you is, have you heard Jesus' invitation? I mean, a lot of people hear it, but that's the first part, right? Have you received it? Have you accepted the invitation? And once once having been invited to the marriage supper, right? And you get to sing too, by the way. Even if you don't sing well, I bet you're going to sing well in heaven. I'm waiting. (laughs) Right? We get to sing. And so we should also be singing here now and telling others about this great banquet of salvation. That's the good news for this morning. Amen. 